Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Israel's economy has surprisingly withstood the blows striking global commerce and finance in recent years, including COVID-19, uncertainty in the oil market, and disruptions in supply chains. But can the Israeli economy thrive when the domestic political scene is perennially unstable and when individual households complain that they do not reap the fruits of macroeconomic success? Joining us from Central Israel to discuss this matter is Professor Eitan Shashinsky, who is a senior fellow at the Center for Governance and Economy. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Professor Nelly Munin, who is an advocate whose expertise lay in international trade law, who formerly also served as Minister of Economic Affairs in the Israeli mission to the European Union. Thank you for joining us as well, ma'am. Hello. And also joining us here at the studio, as usual, is our TV7 editor at large uh, and host of TV7 Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding of Israel's current state of play within the context of its economy. So the men and women um, in the street, which is not Wall Street, but rather Main Street or in Israeli terms, Dizengoff Street, they uh, are not interested in uh, what uh, the economic experts are saying, they worry about the pocketbook. They worry about the purchasing power. And you can see the um, uh, various politicians now vying for power in the uh, elections. Uh, Some of them are saying that the economic uh, indicators are excellent and that the Israeli economy has withstood uh, so much turbulence over the uh, Uh, several uh, recent uh, years, while others, including uh, the leaders of the opposition, are saying, yes, this was true until a year ago, but right now uh, the uh, Israeli economy is receding and uh, it needs uh, someone more experienced at the helm to put it uh, back uh, in shape. And you see that uh, one of the major topics in the election campaign is cost of living. So um, let's leave it uh, to the expert uh, uh, to tell us uh, whether what we feel individually is correct and whether we should uh, uh, be happy because the country's economy uh, is probably uh, um, on the up and up, even though several uh, million Israelis uh, feel a bit uh, otherwise. Indeed, within the global feeling of uh, uncertainty and instability, of course. Uh, To what degree, Professor Shashinsky, would you regard Israel as a safe haven uh, for economic stability if it is indeed this uh, case? Well, I think the the data shows that Israel is indeed uh, fairly stable relative to the rest of the world. Uh, The rest of the world has undergone. Israel was also stable, relatively stable, even during the COVID uh, recession and uh, and backdrop. Um, and since then, we have been in pretty good shape, all in all. Now there are uh, a number of structural problems which are have, are besetting the uh, the world economies, and including Israel, uh, but to a lesser extent. So I'm, I'm referring, of course, to the inflationary pressure. Uh, governments have tried to uh, have have have, uh, have poured uh, 
uh, money and monitor, uh, an easing monetary policy, both in the U.S. and Europe, particularly in the U.S., also in Europe, and to some extent also in Israel. And the uh, eventually, what some economists have predicted has happened: inflation has started to uh, uh, to rise. Uh, in the U.S., it's it's pretty uh, pretty high. Uh, it was eight percent. Uh, there is a debate how long this will last and what are the reasons for, what are the causes for this inflation in Israel. But again, to, to complete the, the comparison, uh, in Israel, inflation has been now is around the 4%, 4.5%. And so relative to the US, for example, and to most European countries, we are in reasonable shape uh, even on the inflationary front. Uh, the cost of living, which you have mentioned, is uh, an issue in Israel, and that has uh, is, is is besetting Israel uh, for quite a while, particularly the last two years uh, on the housing front. Uh, housing has risen by 18% in central Israel, by an, on average. Uh, it has risen elsewhere in the world as well, but in Israel more so. We have to remember that demographics in Israel are somewhat different than the other countries. We have a high birth rate and and uh, it, it's still a, a relatively young country. And so the need for new apartments uh, around the 70,000 a year at the beginnings, housing beginnings a year uh, to keep uh, prices uh, uh, stable uh, has, not been, has not been met uh, in previous years. Last year, uh, we are back to the level of about 70,000 dwelling beginning of housing, housing starts. Uh, so we are on track. The Israel uh, Land Authority, Remy in, in Hebrew, has offered mm-hmm. more uh, supply side. So the supply side has been taken care of to a large extent. Interestingly, the housing uh, uh, completion is lagging behind and there's still a puzzle. Many are wondering why why is that, the regulatory constraints, bureaucracy and so forth. But uh, on the whole, supply side has been taken care of uh, in the last year. It Mm. has to be sustained. And uh, so hopefully this will happen. Now on the other prices, there's talk of course in Israel, as you all know, uh, about, about reform on opening up for imports, particularly the agricultural sector. Uh, and this has not happened. The agricultural sector is quite powerful. And we'll touch and base on that momentarily uh, as uh, we would like to uh, focus on this more specifically. I'd like also to hear, uh, Professor uh, Munin, your uh, assessment on Israel's economic state of play currently, please. I agree with Professor Shashinsky that uh, if we look at the, at the macro economic terms, we can see that uh, the picture is quite uh, stable or quite uh, uh, positive um, because the inflation, although it has risen, is uh, is low compared to other countries um, and seems to be under control. And also unemployment rates have have decreased uh, considerably uh, after the COVID uh, shock. 
Um, also, it will, if, as we look at uh, the ratio between Israel's debt uh, and GDP, um, it's encouraging um, and it seems to be under control. Um, and the deficit is um, almost non-existent because uh, in recent months, Israel uh, succeeded to collect more taxes than it expected, uh, partly due to the high prices of uh, housing that Professor Shishinsky mentioned, um, and partly due to some uh, very successful high-tech ventures. So if we look at the macroeconomic picture, it really looks encouraging, uh, specifically compared to other countries. Uh, but if we go into more details, into the microeconomic uh, picture, there we can see some uh, systemic issues which should be taken care of. Uh, one of them is uh, the growing um, inequality uh, between the rich and the poor, which we can see, uh, which also depends to a certain extent uh, on the high-tech sector, which is very, very profitable, compared to other sectors which cannot compete with it. Um, and the, the, the prices of uh, housing, which are rising, uh, not only because um, there is a growing demand uh, of those who want to have an apartment to live in, but also because uh, it is considered uh, a way of investment for many people who do not know what to do with their savings uh, in a world where there is no um, very good alternatives. Uh, either if we look at the, um, um, at the financial markets, which are not very stable, or the banks, which do not uh, offer any good terms uh, to savers. Um, so in Israel, housing is also considered a certain kind of investment that yields some fruit. Uh, and this is another problem, which is even growing um, due to the demand of those who also want to live in an apartment. And it is mainly but not only in the center of Israel. Nevertheless, of course, Professor Shashinsky did mention that uh, uh, supply is uh, increasing with uh, roughly 70,000 uh, for uh, the uh, upcoming fiscal year. I'd, li I'd like to ask you, uh, Mr. Owen, uh, when we're talking, however, within the international context, winter is coming. Uh, winter is coming, we hear in Europe, of course, uh, due to uh, the heavy reliance for years on Russian gas and the attempt uh, to uh, divest from, from Russian gas and to try and seek alternative means, including from Israel with a trilateral MOU that was signed and just uh, earlier this month there was a discussion, a trilateral discussion between Israel, uh, Egypt and the European Union on moving forward uh, with pumping gas from the offshore reservoirs in Israel to Egypt and from Egypt, of course, transforming it to LNG and then uh, through Egyptian infrastructure to uh, to. Uh, ferry it into Europe. Do you see uh, Israel uh, sustaining itself within the context of all the lack of, of uh, energy supplies and, and other angles uh, within the upcoming period in time? 
So happily enough, I can evade this question because Professor Shashinsky is one of the foremost experts in Israel, uh, having led uh, uh, a study, a seminal study um, of this very issue uh, several uh, years ago. And he can uh, better answer it uh, than I could ever expect to. And also, I would add to that um, that another uh, growth engine is the high-tech startup uh, uh, sector. And uh, right now, uh, there are clouds over it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, is it a bubble about to, uh, to burst? With diminishing foreign uh, investments, of Not course. Not only that, uh, uh, but again, uh, let, let's hear Professor Shashinsky and Professor Munin uh, about it. Please, Professor Shashinsky. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, of course, the energy, uh, let, let, let's see the picture. The energy is, is a problem for, particularly for Europe, uh, but all over uh, the Russian-Ukrainian war has uh, and, and Russian Russia using uh, its uh, its its natural resources, mainly gas and, and oil, uh, to uh, to uh, achieve certain uh, goals in in this war. Europe is very worried. Uh, Germany, for example, depends uh, forty to fifty percent on Russian gas from Gazprom and the pipeline. And they have just stopped North Star Two. Uh, it's 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 a squeeze on the gas. You look at the prices of gas, which have gone down in recent years until the the uh, last year, uh, but now are, are skyrocketing all over. Um, uh, we haven't seen gas prices at, at the range of eight or nine dollars per per heat unit. Uh, LNG is even higher. Uh, and 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 clearly Israel's resources, the offshore gas uh, deposits, are an asset in, in this in this respect. But I should mention, by the way, Israeli consumers are not suffering from these high prices because there are long-term contracts between the electricity company, which is sort of the anchor, the anchor uh, client of the uh, of of gas, um, and these long-term contracts are. Keeping the prices at four and a half dollars per and so forth, rather low compared to what other countries are paying for the gas at this point. Uh, you're right. Israel has about perhaps close to a trillion cubic meters of proven gas reserves, uh, having using about uh, 20 billion a year uh, for consumption. This allows Israel to export gas, and uh, I don't think that this should be. Uh, uh, the government should should prevent them from uh, uh, increasing the gas supplies. You're right. You you have mentioned that uh, there is no direct uh, line between uh, pipeline between Israel and and Europe. Uh, it's unfortunate because the right the, the economical line would have been from Israel to Turkey and from Turkey to Europe. But given the politics in the past, this is not non-existent at this point. Uh, but the uh, shipping gas to, uh, to to Egypt to the liquefaction plants, uh, the, the two the two liquefaction plants which are working at uh, 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 subcapacity, and they can increase their absorption of Israeli gas and then ship liquefied gas to Europe and to the Far East uh, as well. Um, that's certainly something which is on our on on mind in Israel, and Israel should uh, can use it and uh, the. Franchisees uh, who are is now Chevron is a major is a major franchisee uh, buying by, buying off uh, Noble Energy and uh, and Delek and 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 now 
another deposit, Karish, will start uh, operating soon, uh, uh, assuming the debates with uh, the, the conflict with Lebanon uh, will be settled. Seems that way, at least. Um, both sides uh, think that we are close to an agreement on that, as well as some uh, deposits which are close to Cyprus, and, and Israel will, will expand and perhaps buy off some of the Aphrodite uh, deposit there. So yes, energy Israel is is of course Israel is no is no replacement for uh, Russian gas. Russian gas uh, is, is 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 a huge source of supply to uh, Europe, and Israel will be a, a minor one, but still a welcome one uh, uh, by Europe, uh, which is which is welcoming diversification of its resources. Uh, wishing to to be less dependent on Russian gas, and particularly these days when Russia is using uh, the gas as as one of its uh, instruments in the in this uh, unfortunate war with Ukraine. Um, so gas is indeed uh, uh, the the energy is is indeed uh, a source for Israel, and it was mentioned already that this year. Israel has an, an surplus in its budget in the collection of tax tax revenue has exceeded uh, um, forecasts um, mainly uh, mainly also the the, uh, the, the, the high tech the, the high tech had an exceptional unprecedented boom this year and and as was mentioned by Professor Moonin, um, this has also contributed, uh, of course, to the to the pressure on housing, in, particularly in the central areas in Israel, Tel Aviv, and vicinity. Um, uh, and, and but the question is, for how long? What is the length of this kind of pressure? Indeed. Given Indeed. that the high tech sector is entering into some not a recession, but I would say a slowdown, uh, uh, some slowdown in investments too, and even. Uh, uh, letting workers off, uh, 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 firing workers, not only in Israel, but in the U.S. as well. Some of the large uh, technological firms have been have let off some of the workers, so there's some shrinking. Of course, within this context, many of those uh, companies have offices uh, abroad in multiple locations, uh, the larger ones, of course. Uh, but I I'd like to ask on this particularly, and also Mr. Owen mentioned the cloud hanging over uh, the high-tech sector, considering that it is one of the strongest sectors in Israel. And Professor Munin, maybe you could elaborate on this. Uh, to what degree uh, does the, the international instability currently or the, the uh, impact of international uncertainty impact foreign investment into uh, high-tech companies here in Israel? And uh, does this drive a certain um, trend, if you may, uh, in the context of the capacity of those companies to um, draw in more investment? Well, certainly we see some slowdown, uh, which uh, is connected to what happens globally right now, to the global financial instability, to the inflation, etc. Uh, but it's not um, assessed by the um, high-tech sector in general, uh, that uh, this is a major problem. Uh, some of uh, the high-tech uh, ventures are still succeeding to, to recruit investments. Uh, and it depends, it's, it might depend on many other things. 
um, the relevance, the attractivity of those uh, specific ventures, uh, their importance or contribution or potential contribution to the needs uh, of the current global economy, uh, etc. And I want to say that this is luckily it is not the only uh, engine uh, of Israeli growth. It is a main one, um, and uh, it is affected not only by or the entire Israeli economy might be affected not only by the global instability, but uh, unfortunately, also by the, by the uh, local political instability, which you mentioned, uh, Jonathan, uh, in the beginning. Um, but luckily, um, as I said, it's not the only engine. We also have uh, the um, um, security industries, which are thriving right now because of the global uh, instability, political instability. Um, and we also have the renewable energies, not uh, only gas, which is uh, actually considered an older source of energy, um, but also um, all kinds of developments um, which are more uh, concentrated on solar energy, on wind energy, Etc., uh, in which Israel has some very uh, interesting developments, which are very attractive to local and foreign uh, investors. Um, and also uh, another anchor, which is very important to, um, to refer to, uh, is um, the fact that in uh, recent years, Israel invested in diversifying uh, its trade partners. Uh, and the latest example is uh, the Ab Abraham Accords, uh, which also allow um, new developments in terms of regional ventures, regional cooperation, which were not possible in the past. Uh, and this is something else which brings new players to the Israeli arena, like the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, um, and recently Bahrain, which with uh, Israel starts uh, negotiations on uh, a trade agreement. And uh, those countries can be clients and investors for all the, um, the, the industries, the Israeli industries um, and services um, which uh, Israel can offer and the Israeli know-how. Indeed, even though uh, much of those uh, uh, Gulf Arab states are much more inclined on acquisitions rather than foreign investments in, in many of the uh, uh, endeavors within the context of this region from what uh, uh, I've uh, been uh, uh, reading as of late. But uh, if I may, Mr. Ogan, I'd like to ask Professor Shishinsky, uh, as we don't have very much time left for today's program, uh, to uh, please elaborate, of course, uh, on, on the matter that you spoke of earlier with regard to particularly uh, the matter of exports and imports. Uh, there was uh, uh, an attempted reform. This reform failed. Uh, could you provide us a little bit of uh, insight into this? Uh, and uh, if uh, you could do so relatively briefly, as we have roughly three minutes for this. Let, allow me uh, just to come to go, to go back to the previous uh, uh, issue, which, we, uh, uh, which was mentioned, namely the gas. 
Uh, it was also a crop year, a wonderful and exceptional year for other natural resources, which Israel has. Uh, the major one, of course, is the potash from the Dead Sea. The prices of potash around the world it, it is all natural materials. All the chain of suppliers, as, as, as it is said, uh, have, have risen in prices. And potash is now rocket sky, sky high. Uh, it was already 800 or so per ton. When my committee looked at it uh, years ago, it was around the 300, 250 or so. Uh, it's it's am it's amazingly high, and huge profits for the uh, for the franchisee, which is the uh, ICL, the Israeli Chemical uh, Plant, uh, the the Dead Sea plants, and they uh, and indeed this will also increase the. Uh, their their contribution to the to the to the wealth fund to the sovereign fund to the wealth fund that was established at the time. Indeed. Now, uh, uh, you you asked me about about uh, you want to to ask about other issues. We can we, uh, uh, Professor Munin uh, uh, rightly was pointing out about inequality. Of course, the high tech boom is creating some kind uh, an inequality, although. The figures about inequality in Israel has not, have not risen in recent years. In fact, they went down slightly. But this year, the the, the, the boom year in high tech created a very high divergence between the the young entrepreneurs who are in, in the high tech sector and the rest of the economy. And this will have to be addressed. And if I mentioned in closing here, only one more issue which we cannot leave aside which is the educational system, the educational system. We had a, we had a strike, not a lot, not, not, which, which was settled now, but the Israeli educational system is in trouble. There's no question about it. Uh, we have uh, a significant fraction of the, of the population which is not, uh, uh, which is not at the curriculum, does not include basic, what is considered basic, uh, uh, um, uh, studies of, of mathematics, English, and so forth, and uh, chemistry, and so forth, physics. Uh, and this will probably will continue for a while. This, these are long-term processes. And so I, I view these, the, the demographics of those who are not uh, attending uh, schools which offer those, uh, those subjects which are necessary for a modern economy, which Israel strives to be what would like to be. That's our mm -hmm. ideal. This is going to be with us for quite a while and perhaps even exacerbate the, 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 the gap. Indeed, of course, uh, the matters of uh, education are crucial, especially in small uh, countries where uh, a pragmatic uh, government needs to be able to understand uh, what direction uh, to push uh, the children in uh, uh, being able to accumulate knowledge in a certain or accommodate uh, necessities. But unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank Professor Shashinsky, Professor Munin, and Mr. Olin for being part of today's program. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.